All right, welcome to the free stretch here on JoeBucksFan.com. I am Bobby Fenton, Conference Championship Weekend Edition. Sadly enough, not involving the Buccaneers as they fall in Detroit 31-23 in the divisional round to end their season. Instead, we will watch as four other teams compete this weekend to decide the two that will play in the Super Bowl two weeks from this Sunday in Las Vegas. It's going to be a great day of football. It always is. I wish the Bucs were going to be a part of it, but we're on to the offseason, and we're going to deal with both things today, that Lions game for a brief bit, and of course, all the unanswered questions there are now. A lot has happened in a week. Not only did the Bucs lose the game, they lost their offensive coordinator a few days later as well, as Dave Canales is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. So with that, questions that are unanswered, well, first of all, who's going to be the offensive coordinator? That's the obvious one, but who's going to be the quarterback? Baker Mayfield, you know, the Bucs are going to be able to get this done. I think they will, but it certainly didn't help to see Dave Canales leave. Mike Evans is another question mark. Todd Bowles is faced with a lot of things he's got to get tied up to start the coming season, and that season starts now. We're, it, hey, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, but this is probably, or maybe not probably, it is, the most important decision of Todd Bowles' tenure as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's certainly the most important decision left. And he even said the other day, and it was nothing groundbreaking, but he said, I'm 60 now, I'm not going to make it to 70 as far as coaching, not living. But he's, Which, I mean, nobody thinks that anyway. But, I mean, you know, Todd Bowles isn't going to be coaching here forever, but he could be coaching here for a few more years or less than that. And... What will determine that will have a lot to do, a ton to do, with who becomes the next offensive coordinator. And there are going to be interviews and things like that. Teams want to move fast on this type of stuff. It's not unnatural to be looking for an offensive coordinator. In fact, this stat, I didn't even realize this, but it, it does make sense. Every single one of the 32 teams, all 32 NFL teams, have changed offensive coordinators since 2021. And for defensive coordinators, it's not much further behind. Only six defensive coordinators are still in place from 2021. None of the 32 from just two seasons ago are still around. So it's a high turnover position, especially with the trend toward offensive-minded head coaches, which is what Carolina did. Atlanta didn't do that. They go with Raheem Morris, which I was really happy for him, although it is kind of odd now in the NFC South, three of the four head coaches are people with Bucks ties and, you know, one of them a former Bucks head coach in Raw, but he deserved it, and I'm glad he got that gig. He's a defensive head coach. The Panthers go with Canales, an offensive head coach, and there are others. So it's not unusual to be replacing your offensive coordinator. It's something you have to do. Now, for poor Baker Mayfield, I mean, he's had some tough luck with offensive coordinators in his career, and he's had to replace them quite a bit. I mean, he's had, and that's what I'm saying. That I don't think it's the end of – Anything just because of this, I think they'll still be able to retain Baker Mayfield. And we'll talk about that as far as numbers and potential things like that later in the show. But as Joe wrote on JoeBucksFan.com, it doesn't help. You know, and same with Mike Evans. I, th I think Mayfield and Evans want to stay together. I think they want that to be here. I think that will be here. But it doesn't help. But anyway, before that, you know, we'll look back just a little bit at the game in Detroit, a game the Bucks, I'll say, could have won. I'll say this, though. I didn't lose any sleep Sunday night. Like, you know how there's been, anytime you get that far, the farther you get, you know, it seems like 
you get closer and closer. You can taste it. Like, oh, man, they're, they're one game away from the NFC Championship game. They're two games away from the Super Bowl, which seemed just completely unheard of not even two months ago. And you start to think to yourself, hey, this, this is really possible. Like, they could really do this. And they could have, but they were not one play away in that game. You know, so those are the ones you regret. Those are the ones that gnaw at you. Those are the ones you lose sleep over. If they had just done this, or if this ball had just bounced this way, or if this had happened, or if that had happened, woulda, shoulda, coulda, that type of thing. And this game didn't feel like that. And that doesn't mean they got blown out. They didn't. And it doesn't mean they couldn't have won. They absolutely could have won that game if they had done some things better. They just weren't a play away or even two plays away. And I didn't leave that game this past Sunday thinking, I didn't go to the game. I, I didn't walk away from that game on Sunday thinking, man, they could, you know, it, it didn't feel like it was that close in their grasp. Uh, I, I thought the biggest moments of the game, and there were several, I mean, the dropped interception on the opening line or second lines drive felt big. They did get held to a field goal, which kind of lessened the blow, but that would have been nice. But the Buccaneers getting that touchdown drive very quickly when they started deep in their own territory with less than a minute and a half to go, and you're thinking they'd be lucky just to even get a field goal attempt out of that, and they go all the way down the field and score right before half. That was like the peak. If you had like a little like EKG chart of my feelings during the game, that was the peak of my we're going to win this game. Like When we scored right before halftime like that, I was like, that was big. Like That was really big. A touchdown, not just a field goal. And I thought if the Bucs could, you know, they had the ball coming out of the second half. I thought if the Bucs offense could respond right then and kind of validate that first touchdown, get more points, even a field goal, that it would have been a really big deal. And they came up snake eyes on both of their opening two drives of the second half. And I thought the offense let them down there. I thought they needed more from the offense right there. Not that I thought they were going to just go smoke Detroit's defense and score two more touchdowns and just run away with it. But you need to get points. You got that huge drive before the half to get a touchdown. And then just, it's almost like a pitcher having a shutdown inning after your team scores. And you need him to go, you know, hold that lead. And then you're off, you're, you're, you get to hit again. You, you get a couple more and then you really feel good. And the defense did hold the Lions to start out the third quarter. But the Bucks' offense just kind of went to bed after that. And that was the difference, and it was too little too late when they finally got going later in the game. And so I didn't think it was a bad game by the Bucs. It wasn't their best game. You know, in, in the playoffs, you're playing really good teams. You're playing a Lions team, obviously, in front of a, a, a big crowd who's very motivated given their history. And you have to respond in the moment. And I don't think the Bucs, you know, shrank away from the moment. They just came up short. They just weren't quite good enough. And truth be told, we talked about this, and I'm, I, I always say – I'm never a moral victories guy, never a, hey, you know, we'll take it even though we lost because we were competitive. I'm not that type of guy. None of us are really, right? But I mean, stepping back now that it's over and looking at this season and thinking about the shows I did in the offseason and even in the preseason, and even before week one and what you hope a season's going to be, besides the obvious, you always hope your team's going to win the Super Bowl, win the division, you know, win the NFC Championship, whatever. But you really hope... You're just not in that abyss of mediocrity, of meaninglessness, of just going through the motions and playing the games and not even knowing what you're rooting for because you know your team's not going anywhere and it doesn't really matter anyway. And this season certainly wasn't that. It was really fun. It was really fun. And I, listen, they weren't that good, folks. Like they, The Bucs were a middle-of-the-pack, slightly above-average team. 
They really were. And I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean, they weren't supposed to be anything. Some people thought they were one of the worst teams in the league. Some people thought Baker Mayfield was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And even within our own circles as Bucks fans, I mean, this was a team that was kind of, you know, paying the piper, if you will, after doing the things they needed to do to make that last run, which did net a Super Bowl. And they were in salary cap hell this year. And we knew that, and we were okay. I, mean, I was okay with it. They won the Super Bowl. That's the whole point. And so then this season actually ended up being kind of good. They make it to the final eight divisional round. Like, that's not, I always say, that's not nothing. Like, the divisional round is the, is the line I draw. Like, you know, you can sneak into the playoffs. There's seven teams now. There's four wild cards. They've added a team. So you can sneak into the playoffs and maybe not be that good or win a bad division in the Bucs case. You can do that. But once you, if you are playing on divisional round weekend, you either were really good and had a bye or you were really good or at least good enough to win a playoff game, and that's where I draw the line. You make it to that weekend, that you did something, okay? There's 32 teams, only one wins the Super Bowl. That can't be the only standard. And so the Buccaneers made this fun, and they kicked Philadelphia's ass in a home playoff game, which was great and tons of fun for everybody, and they played meaningful games all down the stretch, and they won the division when they had the chance to do it, and they did all of these things with a team that you could just as easily, or I could just as easily have pictured finishing in the bottom half, if not bottom third of the league. So, you know, it's never fun to lose in the playoffs. It's always a bummer. Everybody thinks they're going to be the one to win the Super Bowl. But stepping back now, good year. And I'm actually appreciative that it ended up like that. I'm Still not sure the future of this franchise. I'm still not sure. I mean, these, the line is so fine. Like Todd Bowles, he's the same coach he was three months ago. But, I mean, he was on the cusp of getting fired and us blowing this whole thing up and completely rebuilding everything. And the Bucks won a few games, like, you know, had a nice little month-and-a-half stretch. And all of a sudden now it's like, on question, of course, like, this is the guy. I'm not – all I'm saying is – Perception can really be warped by things that happen that are more random. And not that winning the games were random. The Bucs earned those wins. I'm not saying that. But, like, all these things are so close. Like, they're so close. Every game. They, even the ones they lost, they won. I mean, you, you could change a play here, a call there, and everything changes, which is why we love football so much. But it also... You know, the things we think we know are based on a lot of stuff that is just kind of, it could go either way, man. So I say that for a few reasons. One, now that we're past the season that has ended and looking into the offseason, we just lost our offensive coordinator. Let's talk about Dave Canales just for a minute, okay? Dave Canales, who was doing great things in Seattle, but he wasn't their main offensive coordinator. He was working with Geno Smith, and Geno Smith improved a lot. But he wasn't calling their plays. He wasn't a name who any, you know, unless you're a really, really like hardcore in the weeds NFL guy, he wasn't anybody that even a pretty involved football fan knew his name, right? When we hired Dave Canales, he'd never called plays before at any level, not even in a high school game, okay? And he goes from what he was in Seattle to being thrust into the offensive coordinator role, does that for one season. And the offense isn't even that good for a lot of the season. It got better. I would expect just, you know, Dave Canales was doing this for the first time too. As it went on, it got better. But everybody wanted to 
kick him to the curb too not that long ago. And the Bucks offense didn't exactly light it up even when it was good, okay? Um, but he goes from all that, and now he's the head coach with a six-year contract in Carolina. Just meteoric, meteoric rise. And from Carolina's standpoint, I mean, I, I get, you know, Dave Canales, if you listen to him talk, if you listen to him on the podium, you know, I've never been a part of any practices he's been in, but mic'd up stuff, you've seen it. He, he's an engaging guy. He's a smart guy. He's a leader. He's a guy you, it's hard not to like once you listen to him. And he's a good football. I'm not saying he just, you know, magically duped people with slick talking. He's a good football coach, too. But he's a guy that, you know, I, I could see. I get it from Carolina's standpoint. It feels like kind of a reach for them, I'll be honest. I'm not sure how excited I would be from a Carolina fan standpoint, but from a Bucks fan standpoint, I am disappointed to lose him. Now, you could argue, well, did he make Baker Mayfield this year? Did he salvage Baker Mayfield's career? Or did Baker Mayfield make him? And it might be a symbiotic thing. But either way, my point about it all is, okay, I've seen people on Twitter, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Bobby Game Day. I've been, you know, seeing a lot of reactions to this Dave Canales thing, and people saying, oh, man, you know, he's, and this is usually just Bucks fans who are butthurt that he's leaving, and we all are, but I mean, are you going to fault him for doing this? Like, some people are like, this is a dumb move by Canales, dude. Like, it's too soon. He's not ready. He's going to flame out in Carolina. He should have waited a year, had another year with this offense with Baker Mayfield, you know, really gotten more seasoning as a play caller, then done something like that. And you know what? From a Bucks fan standpoint, yes, he should have done that. That sounds great to us. Yeah, we could keep him for another year. But there are 32 of these head coaching jobs. 32, okay? Everybody wants them. They're extremely hard to get, and you, a lot of people never get a shot, and even if you do get a shot, you may just get one shot, and you're going to be picking and choosing to say, try and talk teams out of it, like, hey, hey, I know you're interested in me, but no, man, I'm not ready yet. Like, you think he's going to do that? That'd be insane. Even if deep down inside, you know, like, let's say, and I'm not saying he thinks this, but let's say you know, how oh, it's probably too soon. I really could use another year. F that. They're, giving, they're offering you the job. You go all out to try and get it. You do your best in the interviews. And if they offer it to you, you take it. 32 of them in the world. And there's Bucks fans. And I know, I know Twitter's not real life. I understand that. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm using what I saw on Twitter to do a little bit here on this podcast. But I have heard. I mean, that's a, that's not an uncommon. I, I, just in the past couple days, I've heard that. Okay. So you're going to tell this guy he should wait a year. Look at Byron Lefwich, okay? He was another guy who was on top of the world, thought he could pick and choose, thought he had the luxury to, to wait for the right situation. Had the ja uh, reportedly at least, had the Jags job all but wrapped up, but he backed it off saying, eh, I don't like the situation, don't like the GM, don't like the power structure. I'm going to sit this one, I'm going to pass on this one and wait for a better opportunity. I've, er I have the, you know, the, the, the ability to do that, which everybody thought he did at the time, Right? So what happened next? Byron Leftwich passes on the Jags job, or at least whether he out and out passed on it or whether he just you know, put cold water on the idea that they might hire him. Whatever it was, he was going to wait for a little better situation, right? What happened next? Our offense the next year with Tom Brady was absolute dog shit, right? Just horrible. Now he's out of the NFL. Nobody will hire him as the, the quality control analyst coach, let alone an offensive coordinator, let alone the head coach. And he'll probably never be a head coach in the NFL now. 
And I'm not even saying that's Byron Leftwich's fault. I mean, that, my point is, the, the point I'm making is not to criticize Byron Leftwich. The point I'm making is a lot of things happen that are out of your control. So when your star is rising and everybody thinks you're great and you have a chance to capitalize on it, capitalize on it. Maybe Baker Mayfield did, did save Dave Canales. I don't know. Maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. But I do know everybody thinks, or at least one team thinks, Dave Canales is the guy, and he'd be absolutely out of his mind to try and talk them out of it or convince them otherwise rather than taking the job. It's a six-year contract. Maybe you're right. Maybe he does flame out. Maybe he gets fired after two or three seasons. Tepper's a nut. Nobody would want to work for him. But, if, again, you get, if, they called, if the Panthers called me up right now, and said, hey, Bobby, you want to be the head coach? I wouldn't be like, well, you know, I've only coached high school football and you have no reason to hire me. I'd be like, yeah, sure, let's do it. <laughs> Where do I sign? I mean, yeah, let's, let's say he flames out and gets fired after two or three seasons. He did it. He was an NFL head coach. Never mind being set for life financially. He's a young guy, you know. I mean, I know all these guys have a lot of money to begin with from just being coaches in the NFL, even assistants. But, like, you know, he, like he, he does not have to worry about that anymore ever now. And maybe, just maybe, just like anybody who's successful would be thinking, maybe he's thinking, I'm going to go win the Super Bowl with these guys. I'm going to fix Bryce Young. We're going to get this right. We're going to get up every day with a positive attitude, and we're going to win. That's what winners think. That's what Dave Canales is. That's why he's had success. I don't know if that's success. Like I said, unlike other jobs, sports is not real life. Like, most jobs, not that there isn't competition in other jobs, but like most jobs, if you work hard and do the right thing, you will succeed and advance. But in sports, you might do those things and still go 4-13. and 13. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're bad just because your team is bad. And it doesn't always mean you're great just because your team is great. There's a lot of other factors that go into that, which is what happened to Byron Lefwich and what could happen to anybody. So it's crazy to tell Dave Canales, even if you're right. I, I don't even disagree with some of those people. It does feel like a year too early in a perfect world, not just for him, but for the Bucks, obviously, too. Yeah, let's do another year. Let's get it right. You know, and I get another year with Bake, full off season. We've done this before now, on and on and on. And then, sure, you're ready for your, your – and maybe you can work for somebody better than Tepper uh, next season when there's openings then. But that's not how life works, and you, you don't turn down an opportunity like that. I don't blame him one bit. I congratulate him, and I think any Buck fan that is, like, really upset about this and can't believe it is kind of foolish and naive to think that, I mean, again, 32 of these jobs, 32. And even those 32 are fleeting. It ain't like, you know, you see some of these really old-school, like, baseball play-by-play guys, and these, this guy's been the voice of, you know, the whoever for, you know, 35 years now. You know, they, they fire you in, at the drop of a hat for those 32 so, hey, take it when you can, man. Congrats to Dave Canales. Now we get to the business of who's the next offensive coordinator going to be. And like I said, this is a big decision for Todd Bowles. It's going to have the majority to do with the rest of how his tenure goes as the Buccaneer coach, however long that is. Kellen Moore, who was the Cowboys offensive coordinator, they moved on last year. He went to the Chargers. Of course, he's not getting fired from the Chargers, but Brandon Staley got fired from the Chargers. Jim Harbaugh is going to be the new coach there. It's almost certain there'll be an entirely new staff as well. So Kellen Moore's on the table. He is supposed to be interviewing, I think, Monday here in Tampa. He's interviewing with the Browns as well. I think he did a virtual one with the Eagles. So the Bucs aren't the only ones, but he's a candidate. Of course, Brian Johnson is a candidate. He was the Eagles offensive coordinator, had been at UF too. He could be on the table. There are others 
but those are some of the names. If the Bucks want to stay in-house, I mean, the one argument you could make is, okay, Mayfield's had all these different offensive coordinators. Some of that's due to him bouncing around, but some of that's due to guys on his own team moving on. Whatever the point is, he hasn't had any consistency. Let's give him consistency. And then you keep it in-house. If they were to do that, the option would be Thad Lewis, who is the quarterback's coach, who also has never called plays. But by all accounts, everybody speaks very highly of him. And you could just walk down the hallway and say, okay, you're the offensive coordinator now. And at least he, he hasn't called plays yet, but he knows this offense. He's been in this offense you know, with Canales this past season. You want to keep it consistent. You want to be able to say to Mayfield, hey, we're not changing anything. The system you know is the one we're going to run. You can do all that. So maybe it works out that way. But short of that, they're going to go on the outside, and you know, we'll see what they have to do. And it may be less than ideal, but I still, I mean, I think about Baker Mayfield, and I think about what the Bucs have a chance to do here. Baker Mayfield, and the market for him could be a lot higher than we think, but Baker Mayfield was a good quarterback this year. He is not elite, or was not elite, but he was above average. He was top half. Like, I mean, you can try and get really technical and, and get the EPA per play rankings, all that stuff. By all metrics, he was somewhere in that 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, right? You know, like there's 32 starting quarterbacks. He's not in the top seven or eight, but he's better than the 15th or 16th. Like, you know, above average, right? So one, you got to look at, if you're the Bucks, what your options are, first of all, if not him, they are not great. I heard somebody saying Russell Wilson. I'd rather have Mayfield. Justin Fields, if the Bears move on, I think I'd rather have Mayfield. Although I'm still intrigued that Fields isn't done yet. I think he could still get better. But no, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I'd rather have Mayfield. Number two, the money. Okay? The elite guys and some of the non-elite guys too, they're up in that, what, 35, 40, low 40 million range. So there have been reports, and I still think it'll be higher, but there have been reports that's somewhere in the neighborhood of two years, $40 million, $20 million a year you know, could be the market for Mayfield. If that were really the case, I would, like, wherever he is, I would, like, literally, like, grab a drone with one hand and, like, hold on to it and just try and fly it and get dropped into wherever he is to have him sign that contract. You're talking about a chance to have your quarterback, who's pretty good and only a little bit below those other guys, I think, you know, those elite guys, whatever you want to call them, Maybe he's one click below them or two clicks below them, but you get him for half the money. Like anything in the tw- anything that starts with a two, because I still think it'll be more than twenty million a year. But anything that starts with a two, like per season, you know, two years fifty million. Let's say it's twenty-five million a year. Whatever. Do it, do it, do it, do it. That's a pretty good quarterback right there. Again, I know he's not. I'm not saying he's Mahomes or Josh Allen or Dak or any of that. You know, but. He, Again, who, we're, not, we're not weighing him against those guys. We're weighing him against who? I don't even know. I mean, who would be the quarterback? Any of those guys that are out there as free agents, now that we're picking 26th or whatever we're picking in the draft, that's no longer, oh, we're going to get Jaden Daniels or something. That's off the table. And you have a good quarterback? Like, you're going to run him off? I mean, I, Baker Mayfield's agent knows this, obviously, which is why I think – the number will be closer to something with a three starting. Like I said, if they can keep it in the twos, the 20s, do it. Do it, do it, do it. You don't run off a quarterback like that. Quarterback scarcity in the NFL is a thing. We all want to have Patrick Mahomes, but only a, you can count on your one hand the, t- 
you know, number of teams that have that. We got a pretty good one. If you can get a pretty good one for a little more than half the cost of what the going rate is, hell yes. And I know it's not my money, so what do you care? If it wasn't a salary cap thing, it wouldn't matter. But with the salary cap, you know, that's why it's in, that gives you that much more flexibility to build out the rest of the roster for him. And, and I think it's a no-brainer. So like I said, so does his agent. That's why it would probably be more than $20 million a year. But if that's true, I mean, i do two years 20 each right the hell now. i do two years 25 each right the hell now. I think Jason Light would too. We'll see what they come up with. But even losing Dave Canales, I think Mayfield – when you've been with, I mean, he's been with how many teams? I forget, it was like four, five now? You know, you want to not keep doing that. He's getting ready to have a kid. Let's make this work. He wants to make it work. We want to make it work. Let's make this work. Mike Evans is a little bit tougher one. But again, I know Mayfield wants him to. And then, listen, when I say Mike Evans is a tougher one, I know some people think it's a complete no-brainer. I love Mike Evans. Mike Evans right now, and I think for a few more seasons, at least a couple more seasons, should be everything he has been. So I wouldn't want to get involved, and it's not just obviously how long the deal is. It's the structure of the money. In the NFL, they can move money around, and blah, you know, all the stuff they can do, all the you know, contortions they can do to get around the salary cap. As long as it's not like a major timeline commitment with Mike Evans, I don't mind giving him a financial commitment. And so, again, how bad does he want to stay? He says he wants to stay. We'll see when the other offers start coming in and what they are and if there's any type of, you know, I want to say hometown discount, but any type of right of first refusal or, hey, I'll work with you guys. Just come close to this and I'll be happy, that type of thing. If he really wants to stay in Tampa Bay, let's see. And they can get that done. And then we'll turn our attention to the draft. There'll be the combine, all those things coming up down the road. But yeah, I mean, you know, those are the big three questions right now as far as the offense goes. I think they found something in Cody Malk at right guard. He got better as the year went on. I think Gedeke, they're they're pretty sound up front. Left guard is still kind of a thing they haven't, you know. But I mean, very few teams have all five guys that are just studs and, you know, you have four of the five that are pretty well locked in. I think that's doing pretty well. And I think the Bucks have that right now. Actually, at center, too, they need Hainsey could be better. But they're not bad on the offensive line. I think the offensive line had a bad day uh, this past Sunday. At receiver, you know, Godwin got a little bit better this year, uh, one year post-injury. But, you know, what happens with Evans still goes a long way in determining where they're at at receiver. Rashad White was a revelation, I think. He had a, a pretty good year. I think if they use him more properly, he can have even better years, stop mashing him up the middle so much. So they're not in a bad way offensively. And Kalijah Kansi was really good defensive. We'll, we'll talk about We We got time on this. The draft part, that, that's down the road. You know, we, we're going to have a whole offseason, combine, free agency, draft, all that stuff. But as of right now, the most pressing issue is the offensive coordinator. We'll see what happens with it. If it's in-house and Thad Lewis, and I don't want to pretend, I mean, I know Thad Lewis, like who he is. I don't know that much about him. He obviously doesn't have a track record as an offensive coordinator yet where you can look at what Kellen Moore did in Dallas. You can look at what Brian Johnson has done, you know, and, and whoever other candidates they end up interviewing. But I wouldn't object to it if they really believe that's the best thing to do. And if it helps retain Baker Mayfield, and how those guys feel about him, I'd be fine with all that. So are we going to know by the time I record the next show next week? Maybe, maybe not. I think we might. 
But either way, what we will know is the Super Bowl matchup. I'm looking forward to both games this weekend with the Lions and 49ers. This isn't one of those things where, oh, I can't watch now that the Bucks are eliminated. Football isn't like that. Although it is going to be, of course, tough to imagine what it would have been like if it could have been the Bucks going over to San Francisco instead of the Lions. But I think that'll be a good game. And I, I think the Ravens-Chiefs, I mean, we got two pretty good matchups, really the two best possible ones, not including the Bucks. I think, that we could have asked for. And we got three football games to go, folks. And so we're starting to make that transition now. Of course, it's the three biggest football games of the year. But making that transition toward all the off-field stuff, whether it's coaching cycle, whether it's, like I said, free agent draft and all the things that will come with that. And we're going to do all those things on Joe Buck's fan. Hey, year-round, not just during the season, but year-round. In fact, maybe even more so during the offseason. There is no better place than JoeBucksFan.com for coverage. Morning, noon, and night, all year long, all month long, all week long, wherever time of year it is. If you refresh Joe Bucks fan, you're going to get fresh content constantly, and you're never going to be late on anything that's breaking or anything that happens, whether it's with this offensive coordinator search or anything else that's getting ready to happen in the coming days and weeks and months. Now, before I go, it's Gasparilla weekend. I'm recording this on Friday morning, but tomorrow is Gasparilla. Some of you may not hear this till then or even after then, but if you're going out to Gasparilla, have a great time, have fun, be safe. Listen, I do this every year as a veteran Gasparilla goer, current resident of South Tampa, but my whole life I've grown up going to Gasparilla, even when I didn't live in South Tampa. And if you live in South Tampa like I do, and I know that's only a very small subsection of people listening, you know, you know, to me, mobility is key and ease of movement is key. There's no better way to do it than on the bikes. And, and there's a big caveat to everything I say about Gasparilla because I'm not a big drinker, so I'm going to be totally sober for all this. If you're looking to just get hammered or are going to already be hammered from some party in the morning and go out there, maybe it's a little bit different. And driving a, or riding a bicycle under the influence is technically DUI, although I don't think there's going to be a ton of enforcement on that on um, Saturday. That is a vehicle, technically. But yeah, we, me and my family, we get the bikes, all four, the two kids, my wife and I, and we can get in and out of anywhere we want to get in and out of, you know, even with all the crowds and stuff, very, very easily. I bring the bike chain. It's great. We may go all the way down to Davis Island for the invasion. We may just go out to Bayshore. I only live a little, like, it's walking distance to Bayshore, but with the bikes, it's literally less than two minutes to get to Bayshore. And, and all the fun out there. couple of pieces of advice, all right? First of all, getting back and forth can be difficult across the street once the parade starts. But if you're in it for the long haul and you're going to stay the whole parade, and some of these spots now are reserved and you pay for tickets, but there's still some regular spots, the water side, okay, across Bayshore, you're going to have much less competition. There's a million people on the land side, basically the west side of Bayshore. But if you can actually cross Bayshore and stand on where the seawall is and all that stuff, there's people over there too, not nearly as many. If you're into the whole bead catching thing or if you have kids, that's a good spot to do it. Uh, so that's one piece of advice. Another piece of advice I always give is to travel light. I know some people are just so obsessed with drinking and they've got coolers. They're trying to bring bags with a strap over the shoulder. However, they can find a way to move alcohol they're going to do it. Again, I don't have that problem. I'm not a big drinker. But don't bring a bunch of stuff you have to carry all day. Don't bring a bunch of glass bottles and make a whole. Don't try to have a portable mini bar in your backpack or in your, you know, 
whatever cooler bag, your Yeti, you'll regret it by the end of the day. Don't try and bring chairs. I mean, unless you know exactly where you're going and you're walking to a spot and leaving, it's just a huge pain in the ass the more you have to carry. Travel light, hydrate a lot. The day This is just like a sporting event. You come into it hydrated before you start. Don't think you're going to hydrate during it, and you'll be a lot better off. That goes for everything every day, really, not just Gasparilla. But these are just small tidbits of advice I have. You can choose to follow them or not. And there's even a lightning game, which they've done like three years in a row now. There's a lightning game uh, at 7 o'clock right after the parade ends. So it should be a scene. It should be a scene. Just find a way to have all the fun. Be safe. Be polite. There's going to be a lot of people in a small space. Sometimes people are competing for that space. Sometimes people snip at each other, even though they're really not trying to do anything anybody else isn't trying to do. But you know, people get snippy. So just, hey, always say, hey, we're all doing here for the same reason. We're all trying to have fun and just be laid back about it. With that said, that, while I'm looking forward to it, is not the highlight of my weekend. I'm looking forward to the conference championship games. I'm looking forward to two of the three remaining football games we have left. And I'm looking forward to finding out who the next offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to be. A huge decision for Todd Bowles going forward. We'll talk about whatever it is probably on the show next week, unless this draws out longer than that. But either way, we'll be on top of it whenever it happens. So thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to our good friends at Bill Curry Ford, our sponsor of the free stretch. Check them out, BillCurryFord.com. See all the inventory. Wherever you get, you get the unlimited nationwide lifetime warranty with your vehicle. You don't have to worry about engine trouble. You can bring it back in for the life of the vehicle. Thanks to the Joes for giving me the platform. I'll see you all next week. Happy Gasparilla. Happy Conference Championships. Happy football. And wherever you are, good morning, good afternoon, good night, and go Bucks.